When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the Winning Plays Podcast on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider for the NBA's winningest franchise. Welcome back to another episode of the Winning Plays Podcast with Brian Robb and Michael Pina. I'm Rich Levine, and guys, last night at the Garden, minus Jalen Brown, the Boston Celtics trailed the Bucks by 16 at halftime. Looked like uh, the makings of another depressing night against Milwaukee. Second half, the Celtics came out blazing, 74 points, only three turnovers. 11 of 21 from three on their way to a big 11-point win, their third straight on the young season. Uh, We're going to get into all that today. First, real quick, we're going to ask you to subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen. Uh, Follow us on Twitter. That's at WinningPlaysPod. Shout out to CLNS Media for hosting this show. Shout out to BetOnline.ag for being the best sponsor we've ever had. And uh, B-Rob and Mike. Well, first, B-Rob, our resident Celtics beat writer, you were at the Garden last night for the Celtics big win. Uh, take us there. Tell us about it. What was it like? Uh, I think it was uh, the first half. It was a run-of-the-mill crowd, a run-of-the-mill atmosphere, um, despite the Bucks being a, uh, a top-flight opponent. But that clearly changed in a hurry in the second half. And I think the cool thing about the night uh, from a guard perspective is that Paul Pierce was sitting courtside um, and at midcourt next to Wick Grosbeck and uh, very much took advantage of that fact over the course of that run uh, to the point where obviously he you know, pretty much jumped out onto the court to high-five Tatum after that three to end the third quarter. Um, you could actually see him periodically working the referees over the course of the game. And I think just from a... Uh, from, uh, Celtic standpoint where pretty much everything went right in that second half, Mike, uh, to have Pierce there witnessing it all and getting the crowd riled up just kind of enhanced uh, what obviously was just uh, uh, the fourth regular season game of the, se- of the season, but kind of felt like a little more than that to this team. Yeah, that was a pretty cool sentiment. I think that, you know, this was, this was uh, said last night. I saw this several places on Twitter, but... <clears throat> This felt like a game where last year's Celtics would have kind of folded at halftime. Sure. <laughs> uh, they would not have made the run that, that that was made in the third quarter. And I just think a, a ton of that is because, you know, uh, not not too much against last year's team, more so just I, I thought that Gordon Hayward was spectacular. I thought Jason Tatum was aggressive. I thought, uh, you know, Marcus Smart's defense was tremendous. Daniel Tice played one of his best games since that knee surgery. Um, 
this was just a, it was just a great all around win. And, and when you, and when you kind of, you know, sprinkle in the Bucks missing a ton of open shots and the Celtics making a ton of open shots and, and some contested ones too, uh, this is, this is the, the, this is what happens. Yeah. The, I'm going to start with uh, the Bucks for a second first. I think they got significantly worse on the defensive end this offseason with the personnel they brought in. And whether it's, I mean, Wes Matthews, I think is just, you know, I mean, he was washed in that Pacer series. He's in far too prominent a role here. And then you throw Corver in the mix. Uh, Robin Lopez obviously is a fine backup center, but is older and plotting and, and the Celtics took advantage of that. I and mean, the, the game plan, I think, Rich, was just like, start running and don't stop. And they, when they finally started doing that in the in the second half, um, and the shots started falling on top of it, obviously, they were able to get the looks they wanted and were able to take advantage of you know mismatches that came along over the course of the night against a more veteran team. Yeah, and we haven't mentioned Kemba yet, which is sort of like the the theme. I mean, the guy. Did you see that that stat on on Twitter that he set the record for the most points in the first four games of a Celtics career with ninety eight? No, uh, that's that's pretty unbelievable. Yeah, thirty two points. Uh, you know, and 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 I and I agree with you, Mike. That I, I feel like Gordon and Tatum seem to be, you know, kind of what really put them over the top and and Kemba obviously did a lot of his damage from the from the foul line he was 11 for 11 in the second half from the foul line which is which is huge and is what you want from a guy who's going to have the ball in his hands um but yeah just 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 an all-around great win I think Shemi Ojale deserves a little credit too 20 minutes I think that was a he only had three points five rebounds but it was it was a solid a solid 20 minutes for him I thought he was very active yeah, and just on, you know, Kemba, whose name I did not mention for some reason, um, you know, I just loved how aggressive he was against, you know, Brooklyn's drop cover. I mean, sorry. <laughs> um, Take three. My mind. Yes. Yeah. Um, Milwaukee's drop coverage with Brooke Lopez. I mean, late in the game, he was just pulling up for three. Like, he was stepping on their neck with uh, those pull-up threes at the end of the fourth quarter. And, and uh, you know, his aggressiveness getting into the paint and, you know, hitting some floaters, getting to the free throw line. I was just a big fan of his game. Um, my number one takeaway again, though, was just Gordon. I thought he looked like an all-star. And it was more than numbers for me. I just feel like the way he was exuding himself on the court like the the he was extremely confident there was one play where he comes off a stagger screen gets Brooke Lopez on a switch and immediately backpedals to towards the to towards half court and just charges at him and finishes with a lefty layup through traffic like I I was a little critical uh after the first game of the season you know talking about his athleticism um I recant all of that i feel like he he was just a real here's a an interesting stat from last night's game no player uh ran more miles than gordon hayward last night and no player was faster than gordon hayward yeah i mean he even saying the the first half of last night he looked like it was it looked like it was last year's postseason series he started over five like yeah rich like do you did you see that early on people were on him well it was it, it well, because it's funny because you say last year, you say last year's postseason series against uh, Milwaukee, right. but in the second half when he was really clicking, and I think this is what Pina was talking about, it looked like 
a little bit of the the playoff series against Indiana when we all thought Gordon was back when he sort of and like I think you know James Harden is sort of the height of this sort of style but when he gets into the lane and he has and he, and he either and he has the guys under yo-yo either they're going to jump up and he's going to throw a lob or they're going to sag back or he's going to he's going to hit that mid-range jumper when he gets in that space with a ball in his hand and he's just he seems to have the like I said the entire defense on a yo-yo that is Gordon at his best right now and he's a guy he's not shooting a lot of three-pointers this year I mean he's hitting them he's seven to twelve on the year but he's not taking a lot he's operating a little bit in that middle ground with the ball in his hand I think he's a guy because another interesting thing is that that Kemp is only averaging three and a half assists again so he's he's scoring but hasn't necessarily been the playmaker and it seems like Gordon and another guy we haven't mentioned Mr. Winning Plays Marcus Smart are the guys that are going to really be making the plays for this team. Yeah, it's a uh, I mean Kemba off the ball is a very useful weapon and the fact that you know you take a lot of just I think you just kind of save him by taking that ball handling away from him for most of the game so when he needs to get going, and late in the game like this, he's he's obviously he's fresher and and can have give the finishing kick this team needs. Um, and yeah, it's kind of great. I mean, Hayward for all his stat lines last year, like I mean, first twenty ten performance as a Celtic period, um, which is kind of crazy to think <laughs> this far in. Um, but no, you mean what I'm like? I mean, it was. It was this was this was all star Gordon Hayward for a half, and I whether it's still I still think the confidence factor is you know still in play with him a little bit in terms of you know he needed to sheath the ball go through the hoop a couple times to get going there, but once he did it was like I mean the rest of the team this was kind of, it was just like a runaway train in the second half and everything that the team went to was working I mean. Mike, have you ever seen him more like when he hit that team with that pass too? I don't think I've ever seen him more fired up in a in a Celtics uniform when he gave him like the chest bump. Yeah, no, that, that was pads. that was uh, it. It was just it was a Gordon that we really have not seen in a Celtics jersey. And to add on your point, Rich, like Gordon is playing at his own pace, and he looked completely comfortable going at that speed he was not rushing himself he was you know we've seen this a little bit earlier in the season so far where you know he'll get a guy in jail off a pick and roll and then just sort of lollygag the help defender and then throw the lob to rob williams or whoever and that's just like that's 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 him at his best and uh, i i there's really no pressure on him to do anything um outside of what he wants to do He's so comfortable. He's super confident. And, I mean, this is what you want from a guy on a max contract. When they start 0 for 5, then they go 6 for 8. And that's what he did last night. That's that's just, like, in a nutshell, the type of player that the Celtics need him to be. And if he's going to be that player, it completely raises the ceiling of the team. Yeah, like you said, too, the, the, with the slow start. You know that, and he, that he kept going. That's the that's the confidence that you speak of. Uh, real quick, I have a, a trivia for you guys. Who leads the Celtics in uh, total offensive rebounds through four games? I believe it would be Jason Tatum. Michael, I'm gonna go with Marcus Smart. The answer is Kemba Walker. Wow, with nine offensive rebounds in four games. Somebody's kind of gonna box that guy out. <laughs> <laughs> only <laughs> only ten defensive rebounds, but nine offensive rebounds. It's pretty yeah, impressive. Yeah. I mean, doing Kemba for as tough as the start it was, um, just 
you don't realize again how much he does other things when you only see him a couple times a year. Um, but he's been like from drawing charges to um, getting his hands dirty on the glass. Again, the assists are down, but that's not his fault. I feel like that's more of just uh, stylistic stuff. And but what he's giving them, you know, you worry with a guy like this if he's going to give them stuff when the on nights when the shot isn't falling. And I think he's kind of shown early on here that they're going to be able to count on him to help in other ways um, in that instance. What did you guys think of Tatum's performance last night? You know, I, I, I think that like, I st- it's still for me, it's like, like the process over results in a lot of ways. I really like what I'm seeing. I like the shots. You know, I had some, I had some, some numbers here on, on his three pointers, which, which is obviously a lot, a lot of talk, right? Coming in. This is the fir- first ever four game stretch of Jason Tatum's career where he has at least 14 made threes. So in this, in this, these four, these four games to start this season, the most threes he's in any four game stretch in his career. Um, already two so i mean he's so so he's he's hitting them there but he's taking them he's not shying away he's being aggressive and like and and, and he keeps getting the points like i I think we could feel pretty comfortable now saying he's gonna i feel pretty comfortable saying he's gonna average 20 points a game he's averaging 21.5 right now right and 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 i and i still think he's got a ways to get better this season you know i think there are shots that he's missing even though he's shooting his three-point percentage is outrageous i think it's like 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 48 or something or maybe yeah, is it is yeah. it no it's at 48 um yeah his his three-point shot has been money he's shooting 37 percent from the field which is the obvious uh right here um, so that's so, but, but i like the shots that he's missing still if, if you know what i mean right no he's yeah he's getting into the pain he's missing shots that you would think will either be uh, trips to the free throw line or they will fall eventually it, it's kind of been a little bit of bad luck a little bit of sloppiness a little bit of him rushing uh feeling a little pressure i feel like on those takes to the basket um but he's not settling and that is that's a really good sign and you know we all know that he has the tools to score at all three levels and he can rock himself into the mid-range whenever he wants but he's been aggressive and He's been persistent in that part of his game, and he's running a—he's running a quite a. I don't know what the numbers are, but it feels like he's running a ton more pick and rolls than he has at any other point in his career. He's got the pocket pass down, uh, so I—I I, I generally am optimistic about it. But you know, you would like to see, uh, you know, obviously the field goal percentage go up a little bit. But if he's averaging twenty-one and eight at the All Star break, and the Celtics are playing, you know, uh, top four seed, he's going to make the All Star team. Yeah, and I think the, for as bad as the shooting numbers has been at times, the other encouraging part is uh, the trend of, you know, he's far away the leader of plus-minus on this team right now, which has been just a constant theme for him in his three seasons. And so now, you know, he's taking on the heavier load, and even with the shots aren't falling, the his impact on the team on the floor is is apparent. And like you guys said, like the – I mean, the – He's not going to be shooting 48% from three all year long, but he's also not going to be taking, making 30, only 37% of his shots um, from the field overall. B-Rob, can you, uh, can you break down the, the defense against Giannis a little bit last night? Because I think that was obviously a, a huge part of the success, too. I mean, it's crazy to, I mean, that literally they started the game with Marcus Smart on Giannis, right? Yeah. 
I mean, and that's obviously Jalen missing the game too. But def- like, but what what did they do? Because because he he didn't really, he didn't get in a rhythm. That that didn't look like Giannis last night. No, he got. I mean, I don't know. For all the guys we've talked about, I think Smart was the MVP of this game. I was um, just thinking that. Like yeah. he, uh, even in the first half, he was. You know, he has 19 points, five of 11 from three. Kind of kept them within, you know, from turning the game into a blowout in the second quarter there by just hitting just enough shots to keep them within range. But defensively, it was everyone but Giannis kind of beating up on the the Celtics in the first half. Um, you mentioned Ojale too, Rich. I, I, he did a really good job in his minutes. But Smart just, like, he just got under his skin. He didn't give him... It's a new tactic. I mean, we saw a little bit of this from Smart in the World Cup when Popovich threw him on Giannis in that matchup against Greece, and he was pretty much a non-factor in that game. This obviously is a whole different scene, but the the imprints was were still apparent in terms of just making him fight for everything, giving him some more ball pressure that I don't think he was used to with you know using facing. You know, bigs like Horford and Baines who weren't going to pressure him up on the ball. They were going to give him room. Smart did not let him get comfortable. And obviously, it cracked him by the end of the game when you saw him pull him down to the floor and then kind of flip out on the refs with 20 seconds left for a tee. Um, it's what Smart does. And I, to be honest, like, he's one of the probably five best defenders in the NBA right now. So the fact that he can do this, I think, is just a huge confidence booster for Brad Stevens when you talk about how you're going to game plan for this team in the long run. Yeah, I would say, I just want to add, Smart Smart was terrific. Uh, the way he just, like, he'll throw his body into you low when a shot goes up to box you out. And it's just, like, at the end of a game, if he's still doing that, it's, like, the ninth time you just want to murder him, <laughs> I can imagine. Um, Especially when you've dropped it, when you've blown a nearly 20-point lead or whatever it was. Yeah, right. But in addition to smart, I feel like, you know, you can't stop a player like Giannis Antetokounmpo without five guys. And so when, you know, Grant Williams was in the game, when Tice was in the game, Tatum, these guys did a really good job of shrinking the floor. And then, you know, I, I cited earlier how the Bucks uh, launched uh, a bunch of open threes that missed, but they also... Uh, you know, I thought that the Celtics defenders did a pretty good job getting out there, like rushing out into help and contesting um, as much as they possibly could. So credit is to, you know, everyone on the team, really. And uh, like one thing I'll say about the Bucks really quick is like it's a little harsh to call what they do gimmicky, but it is. I feel like, yeah, I just... Like, no disrespect to Giannis, who is obviously terrific, but, like, if you need to win a game against them, it's really, like, it's not rocket science what, like, what scheme you need to drop, and it's just, like, he has obvious weaknesses, and, you know, if you put the ball in George Hill and Pat Connaughton's hands, and, you know, Wes Matthews, and these guys are, you know, they can obviously hit open threes, but they didn't last night, and that was a a humongous reason why they lost the ball game. You know who they missed last night, Rich? Uh, wait, Ursan played, didn't he? He did play. <laughs> he, he looked solid. Uh, Malcolm Brogdon could have been useful. Well, when you when, when like. you talked about the the, def- the defense, 
you know how that how that's a big change. I mean, that, right? And, and and meanwhile, Brogdon is is killing it. I mean, the Pacers stink, but Brogdon is having a a, a further breakout season. But yeah, no, they, they they missed him and they missed Eric Bledsoe. Was he playing last night? Uh, I saw him in the first half play some okay defense on Kemba, and then I didn't. see Yeah, him I guess they could they could have used Eric Bledsoe. They did have your your boy Chris Milton still unconscious at the Garden. That the Celtics might just need to acquire him so he can average <laughs> points a night. How playing, do they not? <laughs> Bud should just have him take 30 shots a game. Like, how do they not just literally feed him and make sure he gets those kind of looks on a night when Giannis has kind of been taken out of the game? Middleton's really good. <laughs> like, I don't, I mean, I know that's like their scheme, but I don't know. Like, this is, this is encouraging. Again, from, it's not that things went well for the Celtics last night, but I'll say it again. Like, the Bucks, they got worse and they got significantly worse on defense, I feel like, in terms of personnel. And then even offensively, like you're at, like, what does Robin Lopez do for this team that they didn't already have? Besides, give you injury insurance. Like, I don't, I don't understand that. Wes Matthews, I think, is over the hill. I, I liked him a lot, but he just isn't the same player anymore post injury, obviously. And I mean, Kyle Carver- I feel, I feel like they're 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 due for a trade as much as anybody. And no one is feeling the pressure of free agency and, you know, obviously retaining a player more than they are. And so, I mean, I expect them to be extremely active. I expect, uh, I don't know, like, I don't know what, who they're going to try to acquire and what notable name, but like... Who who can they even who who can they give up to acquire a notable? Now I'm looking at the well, I mean right Eric, Eric Bledsoe is like number one, and so you know they that that's a problem though because yeah, <laughs> exactly. it's a, it, it is yeah it's huge like it's not easy to do what they got to do, but you know they didn't want to go over the tax uh, this season. They let Malcolm Brogdon go. I think they picked up a first for him, um, if I'm not mistaken. They, uh, not exactly sure what that asset was but that's cool i guess and you might have to be flipping that alongside a contract to you know they they just don't have any like brogdon was so valuable not only defensively not only because you know he's a really good shooter 50 40 90 last year but that guy makes plays off the bounce they don't have anybody who can make plays off the bounce you got cal corver you got west like these guys they're spot shooters right and so when Giannis doesn't have it going and when you load up on him uh, like you're out of options, really. Uh, guys, while we're talking about uh, the Bucks and their options, let me remind you that football season is in full swing. Wait, it's back? Yeah, it's it's in back. It's been back for a few months now. It turns out, uh, but you can get into the game with our exclusive sports betting partners, BetOnline.ag. Sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit to start betting college or professional ball. Every spread, every total, every winner or loser, straight bet, parlay, or tease your way through the season. Uh, you can still get those prop bets in on when the Dolphins will win their first game. That is yet to happen, so that's still on the board. Get the fastest two market odds, updates, and payouts with our new sportsbook partners, betonline.ag. Head over to the website today or log on with your mobile device to join. Use promo code CLNS50 to receive your 50% welcome bonus. BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. So one final point on the Bucks before we move on here. To think that like I'm, the the conversations between management and like ownership over the luxury tax stuff, like you're you're this is I feel like if there's any year you need to go into the tax, like this is the year you're convincing Giannis to stay a few long term. 
and like having that extra security and the message you send to him is losing your third best player and replacing him with uh Kyle Korver and Wes Matthews um <laughs> like I just think from even a Celtics perspective from a long-term perspective right now I mean who the heck knows where Giannis is going to go if he's if he leaves but just like well it's not great for the Celtics if he goes to the Raptors I'll say correct that right now <laughs> just I, I, I don't know him correct so like you we will have to wait to see how that uh plays out but just from a like guys you can save a couple million dollars down the line you know what losing Giannis is going to cost you hundreds of millions of dollars um probably over the course of several years so like the the logic here just does not make a lot of sense to me from yeah i think you know they know obviously more than we do about what Giannis is thinking privately and you know maybe there's been a line of communication where it's like you know you relay to him that hey we're doing this because we want to spend money with you we want to continue to be a perennial contender over the next five six years with you you're only 24 years old and this is the best way to do it if we sign Malcolm Brogdon to an 80 million dollar contract we're kind of locked into what we are so that's kind of I mean that's what you're saying if you're the GM and if you're ownership to him I don't know if that helps maybe but what about that Eric Bledsoe contract Mike <laughs> well I mean that that was just a mistake <laughs> um and, you know, like Eric Bledsoe was pretty good last year before the playoffs. And, yeah, I mean, we, we don't need to rehash that. It, he, it is what it is, and they'll, they obviously regret it. I would probably rather or definitely rather have Malcolm Brogdon than Eric Bledsoe. Um, but uh, are, you guys, are you guys wrapped up with the Bucks here? Because I, I actually have a question that I think is really interesting based on some semi-breaking news that just Please. happened. Please, bring it. Um, so Kevin Durant went on first take this morning and said, or I guess admitted that his confrontation with Draymond Green last year against the Los Angeles Clippers was, quote, definitely a reason that he left the team. Did you guys see that? Or? I did not see that yet, no. I haven't been, I'm not up to date on first take, but, yeah, but so, I know how it's, it's yeah, yeah so, go ahead. So that happened, and... Obviously, the Warriors are, uh, they have the worst defense in the NBA. Um, Steph Curry broke his hand last night. Klay Thompson is out for the season. And Draymond Green cannot be traded until February 2nd, 2020. Hmm. If you are the Boston Celtics, how attracted are you to adding Draymond Green to your basketball team? Wow. Just dropping bombs like that, Mike. I'm in. <laughs> how, how many years did he get in that extension? It was four with a player option. Yeah, I mean, if he's on the market, absolutely. Um, again, I think when you just look at this team right now, it's fascinating to think, you know, the question was before the season started, are they a player away or not from like being a realistic contender? Um, and I think through four, I mean, it's obviously incredibly early, but games like this, I think show the front office that yes, like we're looking this good with Tanyo Tice playing 30 minutes a game with Jalen Brown, not even playing this game. Um, give Brad Stevens one more, you know, team oriented big. Um, and you could, 
be seeing uh, a lot more. So yeah, I mean Draymond Green, I think would be a an ideal target there. I does does Golden State? I I feel like he's too much of their fabric now for them to even even though they sh- conceivably should consider it. I I don't see them um, flirting with offering of trading him unless they get completely overwhelmed, which I don't think the Celtics would do. I what's, mean, an o- what's an overwhelming offer? I mean, it's like you're putting Memphis pick out there. You're putting um, Jalen Brown. Jalen Brown out there. There's no way you move Jalen Brown. Right. Exactly. Green. So that's that's an overwhelming offer, and I, I don't think that's an offer the Celtics make. No way. I don't Rich, know. Rich, elaborate. Well, I, because we're, we're talking right now, like, what's it going to take to put the Celtics over the top at a time where the title is for the taking? Who's who's the best team in the NBA right now? It's the Phoenix Suns. Right, exactly. <laughs> so in the world where the Phoenix Suns are the best team in the NBA, like what like this is the time that you make that you make a move for and I think Draymond and there there's obviously a lot of risk involved, right? Like this is a guy that you, you talk about the ideals on the court, you talk about the intangibles, him and Marcus Smart, that is a crazy thought to think of them on the same defensive team. He's also a guy that could come in and not quite on a Kyrie level, not quite as cerebral, but can disrupt a locker room and, and 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 rub people the wrong way so that's a that's a danger as well but like i don't know because because you watch that game against the bucks last night and for a regular season game at home it's one thing but you're not going to survive too long with with marcus guarding Giannis with with grant williams having to deal with brooke lopez in the post i feel like that'll it'll catch up to eventually i think that draymond is that guy that you plug in that all of a sudden the celtics are Maybe the best team in the. We'll see what happens with Philly, but like, maybe the best team in the East. And if you're the best team in the East, you have a very good chance of winning the title. I don't think it's definitive that that trade makes you better. Period. So, I probably would not do it. Let alone, you know, the the, the massive age difference and just politically what it would do and all those other reasons but i don't i don't really know if that makes you a better basketball team to be honest um and i'll say this but uh just to from a salary cap perspective you can't trade jalen this year at all oh right, much, right, right because of the extension you can technically but the the salary cap rules are so out of whack because of the extension for this year that it's pretty much impossible he's got a yeah he's got the poison pill through june 29th right next year i don't i don't really even understand how that works it's like an average of the extension yeah it's just plus it's, this year's di but technically you could move him i mean you could move making structuring the trade is very very hard yes because it's the in it i want to get it's not even worth getting into it's just like it would make it would be close to impossible to make a trade that makes sense the right. So, I mean, leaving him out of it, if you put together something that was based around the Memphis pick and, like, you know, Langford and Cantor, like, I don't even know. You'd have to, it would be tough to get the money up there. You might have to move Marcus Smart in, in that event. Like, again, why, why do that? Exactly. So, I don't Bob know. If, Williams. Yeah. I don't know if he's, if it's in the cards for the Celtics. I, I do think that it's possible the Warriors move him depending on, right, like if they are overwhelmed and I could see a team like the Denver Nuggets making an offer that would be overwhelming. But, you know, if you're the Warriors, like you wait a year, you have Curry, Thompson, and Draymond next season, plus, you know, they're going to get like a 
what like a like, top five pick. Yeah, they're gonna top like, five. They're gonna pick. be terrible this year. So and they just got that new arena, Mike. I feel like they can't like they need to sell tickets for like the future. So I think that bu- the, that building the, sold out forever though. Like they're not. That's I, that's true. I, I don't yeah, but it is a shitty product and it's very embarrassing for Joe Lacob. Like you don't want to open this building and be terrible for the foreseeable future. Right. And also trading a beloved local right. icon is not a good look after you signed him to that four year extension. Right. So it's tricky. I could see them moving him though. And like, again, Denver's like the team that I feel like would be incredibly aggressive, but adding him to the Celtics, just like hypothetically in some fantasy world where you just plopped him onto the team. It's just it's a super fascinating fit. So uh, this this name has been out there. It was, it was out there over over the summer. I think maybe even at last year's deadline. And uh, Brian Windhorst threw it out there again yesterday, I believe. But what do you guys think about uh, Capella on the Celtics? If you could do if you do Rob Williams, Tice, Romeo, a pick. Do you do you like? I, I was first I, at first. I was not very excited, but the more I thought about it, I don't know. Maybe he's a guy that they need too. In two years. Is Rob Williams as good or better than Clint Capella is today? Uh, maybe. Your hesitation, but your hes- the hesitation yeah. is why you don't make a trade like that in my opinion. No, the hesitation is why you do, I think. Why? Okay, I, I, I just, I just, is, is, is Rob, is, is Capella's best case scenario Put for Rob Put the Williams? whiskey down, Rich, and let's get <laughs> that was, down that, to that, that, was a, that was a water. It's very early, it's very early <laughs> out here. Um but 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 again, we're talking right now, so we don't know what Rob Williams is going to be. We're saying right now, we, the Celtics need a guy that you can throw on Giannis, that you can throw against Embiid. We're talking the playoffs right now, and that's right? Clint Capella. I, I mean, <laughs> it's certainly not Rob Williams right now. And in terms of other guys that are out there, I mean, Capella's contract is is pretty reasonable for for the next little bit. I, I don't know, like he he's. He's a guy you need in the Eastern Conference right now, I think. I I think investing like Capella gives you a lot and I can see the appeal obviously of having a guy you can trust at center that gobble up rebounds can finish um defend defend obviously uh bigger guys, but I feel like the Celtics are going away. I think if their moves this summer was any indication, they're going away from investing bigger money in the center spot. Unless that player is like a super versatile guy, like an Al Horford, like a Draymond Green would be in theory. Um, I can't see them, I feel like, wanting to invest $20 million a year in that player along with filling up the assets for him um, when they're going to Why, why be, is when, Why is Houston making this trade, by the way? I don't know. For some reason, they keep on trying to trade Capella. <laughs> That's true. It's not going to help them get better right now, which is their... I don't think any trade of the Celtics would help them get better in the interim um, in terms of what the Celtics would realistically offer. Right. No, I, I'm i a little... I'm lukewarm on Capella generally. Uh, and I, again, I've said this before, but I don't think that he would look very good outside of a system where he has James Harden throwing him lobs and... Like, as is, I just don't think he's that good of a finisher. He can't put the ball on the ground and do anything. So I'm not, yeah, I would not be that pumped about getting Capella just because he's the guy who's available. Yeah, it, it's yeah. hard. It's it's hard to find a player that makes sense for this team 
that would also be for that spot that it's not going to break the bank, but is also um, just realistically attainable. Because again, so many teams are in the mix this year. Um, I feel like in both conferences where there's going to be the the demand is going to firmly outweigh the supply on the trade market. I feel like this uh, over the next few months. Where do the Celtics have to be that where where they would maybe have to where they go all in on this? Like do you like do you want them to be the second team in the East? You know, do you want them to 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 be first, or is it more of a deal like if they're like fit fourth or fifth, where you'd want them to to make a push? No, I think you I think you want to see fifty like if they're winning on pace to win in like mid fifties in the regular season and do it convincingly, then I think that's enough to be like okay, we need to. Danny Ainge and Mike Zarin and everyone else in that front office can be like, we need to find someone here to give them a realistic shot. Someone who's not going to like, you know, make them shake things up in terms of how they play, obviously, but just to give them the body to, so they can, you know, if on a night when Jalen Brown isn't playing or someone else gets hurt, they're not relying on, you know, Brad Wanamaker and Carson Edwards and, and like it, it should be said that in an environment where there are so many teams that think they can win it all and so many teams that think they can make the playoffs and like just a general lack of win now talent around the league like that's going to be available like it's not going to be easy to add like anyone right now it's just it just isn't Derek Favors might be like the most realistic kind of target on that mold if, yeah, the guy, Derek Favors for sure. Um, I'm all set with that. That would be cool. Uh, he's not really playing well right now <laughs> at all, and not too many people outside Brandon Ingram on that team are. Um, so I don't. Yeah, I just think it's going to be really difficult to make a, a, any kind of upgrade, and uh, for a team that really needs the rookies on rookie scale contracts to come through and be productive for you because you're about to have to max out you just maxed out or you just you know extended Jalen on a big money contract you're gonna have to max out Jason Tatum very soon uh yeah it's gonna it's just gonna be really difficult for them to do anything um one last idea on this for a team to look at for some help um, Washington Wizards look pretty frisky, and I don't know. Even adding a guy like Bertans, who's in the final year of his deal, he, that's not like obviously a, a nah. big. No, you don't. You don't Can't add a anybody. Search... Yeah, I, just, I just don't know who he takes a minute. Who he takes minutes from? Like, who do you want on the bench for Darius Bertans? Because like um... even like. Even last night, like Grant Williams played, you know, fifteen minutes, two points, but that was a valuable. Those were valuable minutes. You don't get those from 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 Darius Bertans. Davis. Davis. Oh, is Darius' brother? Who's counting? I don't even know if he has a brother. Uh, he definitely you get, does. <laughs> you get the three point shooting though. Who's fifty five percent from three on the year? Forty yeah, percent. That, that's cool, career. but in a playoff series, when he gets played off the floor like immediately, what do you? Like, what's the point of making that trade? Like, he, he can't guard, is a great shooter, and he couldn't guard anybody in last year. He can't passes. guard Brooke Lopez? Dude, I, I... I don't think so. No? Brooke Lopez is a beast, man. Is he? You see him against that Rockets in the, in the earlier the season against the Rockets, where they just posted him up and won the game after Giannis fouled out? I don't know. I saw a guy last night that was 2 of 8 and 
was allergic to the post for the most part. Mm. Mm. By the so, way, uh, D- Darius is, is Davis's brother. He had a cup of coffee with uh, the Pelicans last year. Okay, I apologize. Yeah. No, I, I also had it wrong, but we're, maybe we're both a little bit right. <laughs> hey, is, is Isaiah going to be traded to a contender this year? I, I want Isaiah to just cook where he is, honestly. It was I mean, fun he, to watch. He, he I will watched that game. Yeah, for a couple I watched months that here. game last night, and uh, he looked like moving well. Uh, you know, they gave him the ball a ton in pick and roll. That game was just wild. I don't know. It was like a science experiment, so I don't know what I can really take from it beyond that he was getting up and down the floor, playing aggressively. Uh, the Houston Rockets had no interest in transition defense the entire game. It was it was a wild, wild basketball game. Um, but I still think the teams around the league are gonna. I, I don't know. Even if the, the the money that he's at, like teams around the league, if you if you're trying to, you know, do anything in the playoffs, they look at him on the defensive end and they wince. And I don't know what you're gonna give Washington. Uh, Second round pick. Like Maybe, uh, yeah. I don't, I don't know if signing. I don't know. Like, I think this I, is the best. I, I agree, but this is the best place for it right now. He's got to play for a shitty team, put up some, put up some good numbers, have a few good nights, convince someone to give him a long term contract on a decent team, and then, you know. But if he gets straight to a contender, he'll be right back where he's been and just sitting on the bench. I think for the most part. But the Wizards are. I mean, I feel like the Wizards. They'd be dumb not to move him if he's putting up. Solid numbers for a couple of months because they're not keeping him. Yeah, but again, like, what are you gonna, what are you gonna get? Like you said a second round pick is, is, yeah. is what you said. What are they gonna do with it? I don't know. Draft. I, just th- uh... I think they got to put some, some, some seats, some, some fans in the seats. Isaiah is someone that they can kind of sell, and who will probably, you know, he'll put a, a, a shitty team on his back for, for a little bit if he can. But yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm happy with him there. He does, he does well in, in Washington places. Played college in Washington. I know it's a different state. But, it, sounds, but. it sounds stupid, but it's there's like some weird value. Just I don't know what it is, but if you were just like to hold on to Isaiah and let him have a magical season and then watch him go, like it's really not the worst thing in the world. Yeah, that's true. I mean, they could, from a fan interest standpoint, down there, a feel good nature of it, they could definitely use on that team. Or maybe he stays. I don't know. Maybe you, maybe you wanna. Well, he probably doesn't want to. Yeah. Because John Wall is going to come back. Well, that's debatable if John Wall ever plays again. He's not necessarily. Ever, <laughs> I don't think he's necessarily keeping himself in the best basketball shape to uh, recover from this injury. Yeah. And when Ish, Ish Smith is your only other option, maybe you do want to roll with it. Um. So, is there any other issues or topics around the league you guys want to touch on? Um, Rich, I just want to quickly point out that the Los Angeles Lakers lead the NBA in net rating and are the only team in double digits on the positive ledger. So um, Dwight, Howard like po- Dwight, Dwight Howard also looks like a Defensive Player of the Year candidate. Anthony Davis, Stop. Defensive Player of the Year candidate. Stop. I would like uh, to point out that the Lakers have hosted the Hornets and the Grizzlies in, the, in their last two games where they scored 120 points apiece. Uh, and I would direct everyone to the December, the December schedule for the uh, for Michael Phoenix <laughs> Los Angeles Lakers. They will they are they are going to build a nice cushion in November. I'm telling you, they will be a, probably a top three or four team for the, for the month of November. Come December, the shit is going to hit the fan, and that's where 
that's where it gets really ugly for the Lakers. But I will say that, well, two things about, about the Lakers. First, I love the idea of Iggy maybe going to Denver now instead of, instead of Los Angeles. Because we talked in the last show that I would remove my prediction that the Lakers will miss the playoffs if they do get Iguodala. But I'm hoping now he spurns them and goes to Denver. Uh, but also the fact that, that I think we can say that the Warriors are probably not going to make the playoffs this year. Um, they're definitely op- not going to make the playoffs this year. <laughs> so that that opens a big spot that I was that I was counting on for the Lakers to maybe sneak in, but I still I still want to see them at the, at the end January first, and when twenty twenty comes around, we will take a look at the <laughs> Dude, Lakers. They're and, gonna uh, make the playoffs. We'll see. We'll see. We're gonna have many many episodes to, to, mm. to lean back on when they do or they don't. Uh, anything else of interest? Do we want to you know touch on? Uh... Carl Anthony Towns fist fight with uh, Joel Embiid, and that was really not that interesting. I mean, Did it was interesting, see? but Al Horford is going to want to get away from all this drama down there. That's what I. He's be rub. Did you see the room. photo of 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 Horford during the fight? Hands on his hips, disappointed. No. <laughs> so there, there's a. It's not. There's literally everyone. I mean, the bench is obviously didn't clear. But there's just a group of people under the hoop trying to break up the fight, and Al Horford is just like three or four steps back outside of the paint, hands on his hips, just motionless. Disappointed dad. Yeah. Um, ben Simmons chokehold. Very interesting move by him. I, I'm pretty sure he's going to get suspended for that one. Yeah, that, yeah. Uh, they're, they're claiming the, the back and forth right now over the the – the refs and the Sixers claim of peacemaker there. That was, I think that's going to be a tough sell on the, uh, on the flow motion replays over the next 24 hours at the NBA. Yeah. Ridiculous. Um, uh, yeah. I mean, besides that, like, can we talk about, I mean, I mean, as far as that back and forth, I mean, that's fun. I think it's, I mean, great. Oh yeah. It's fun. Sure. Like I don't have, I mean, the Sixers are are what they are at this point. I don't think anything, they're going to be really good. They're going to be uh, a headache to deal with on most nights. And now, you know, Embiid is feeling more empowered than ever to just go back and forth with guys like Towns. So, Okay, so I, I have a question that we can maybe close on. Um, if you had to say right now, how many Celtics are going to make the All-Star team and which ones? Um... I'll go with two, and it's Kemba, and one of Tatum and Hayward. Not both, but just one of them will. You you kind of have to pick. That's the exercise. Uh, no, I don't. <laughs> That's not it. Um, screw it. Doll Hayward will get it for a feel good story. If he keeps putting up numbers like this. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think I think all three of them make it. To be honest, I mean, a lot of us are looking around. I get to assume that Kyrie is going to make it with Brooklyn. I mean, maybe I'm, sorry, I'm just looking at like the like the crappier teams right now, and I like that Brooklyn's part of that that group. But um, you know, Kyrie's going to make it with Brooklyn. I mean, Drummond certainly is going to is going to make it in Detroit if he if he keeps it keeps this up. Um, but like you know, the Pacers probably aren't going to have an All Star. The Knicks aren't going to have one. The Bulls aren't going to have one. The Hornets aren't going to have one. So there will be there will be room like. Uh, and, and even Miami, like maybe Butler makes it. I don't think Kendrick Nunn's going to make it. <laughs> the Cavs aren't going to have one. So there is there's going to be space. And I think they get I think the Celtics get three because I, I think that they will they will be a top three team at least uh, come come the All Star break. And I think those three guys are are the easy choices. And we'll see. I mean, Jalen has 
has been kind of the odd man out for a variety of reasons, foul trouble, illnesses, uh, that sort of thing. So maybe he can, uh, if he doesn't make his own sort of case, maybe he could steal a little bit of of Hayward and, and, and uh, Tatum's impact. But if I had a guess right now, I say those three make it. I'm going Tatum and Hayward, and I I haven't really looked through to see the depth at the forward position versus the guard position. Blah blah blah. Uh, but I don't know. I just I just feel like Hayward is about to ratchet himself up to a different level. Um, and Tatum, Tatum, if I had to pick one player, it would be Tatum. Uh, I just, third year breakout, he's going to average between 22, 25 leading into the all-star break. The team's going to be a top four seed, top five seed. Um, he's going to be their first option. There'll be moments where he hits, you know, he'll hit like a game winner or something. I mean, that block he had, uh, I think it was late in the third or early in the fourth last night, the block where he kind of like missed the rotation on Giannis, but then recovered and blocked him from behind and the Celtics scored on the other end. Like, Wasn't that the three that, that he hit to take the lead? Or was that a different a different block? Uh, I don't know if it was him hitting the three. Someone hit a three. It could have been him. I'm not exactly sure, but... It was like a, a block. It was a tap like off the glass when Giannis didn't dunk for some reason. I don't know what Giannis was doing. <laughs> What's going um, on with Giannis, by the way? Giannis, airballing free throws? I don't know. But Tatum would be my pick. I, I don't think he's like a lock or anything, but he just if you just look at people who make all-star teams, like the points are there. He's going to be on a winning team. Do you know what Kemba's points per game average is through four games, Pina? 23. 24 and a half. It's not bad. He, he will make the All Star team if he's leading a a, home, a a top four team in the East in scoring, I believe. For some reason, I'm just looking at it and I'm kind of like, with guards, you got Lowry, Trey Young, assuming he comes back sooner than later, uh, Brad Beal. Uh, we'll see about Zach Levine. I mean, we won't see about Zach Levine. <laughs> I mean, Bledsoe's got some time to... to Simmons is to a guard, a right? They, they classify uh, him as a guard. Kemba, if if the Celtics are good, Kemba is going to make it. Like, he's the, on paper, the best player on the team. Um, from a stat standpoint, he's going to be on the... He's going to make it. He's not going to get you watched? squeezed out for uh, a good stats, bad team player. For Kendrick Nunn? You don't think so? Mm. Stud. Oh, Are the, great. We we didn't touch about the Nets at all. Are the Nets going to make the playoffs? And no. how? No, Mike. Are you've the been Nets you've going been, to make the playoffs. You've been there. You've been on this. You got boots on the ground. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I don't get a sense of like panic or anything. Obviously, just talking to people around the team. Uh, it's like you know, incredibly early. Kyrie is just like that. ESPN story was very odd for a lot of reasons. Not that it was unexpected, just it was odd that it was a story that, that someone was actually able to write. Um, but he's like he's he's balling. He's I think he's averaging like over thirty a game easily, uh, second in scoring behind James Harden this year, and he's doing it efficiently. And so yes, I th- I I don't know. It wouldn't sh- it wouldn't surprise me if they did not make the playoffs and. I also wonder about 
KD going on first take and starting like a, a news story that kind of distracts everyone from the Brooklyn Nets like being one and three and that Kyrie story. I think that's pretty interesting. So you think maybe that was the strategy to steal the headlines? Potentially. I mean, what? Did, well, first of all, what is the? I don't understand. I don't. I don't really get KD's motivation to go on first take period and talk to Stephen A. Smith, but he's to, bored to go on the day after Curry breaks his hand and say that an argument with Draymond Green is definitely why he left. That's <laughs> uh, just, that's just weird, man. That's just weird stuff. Maybe KD is like Kyrie's Rudy Giuliani. He just goes out and just muddies the waters whenever. <laughs> okay. That's a, a great, distraction. that's a great uh, uh, comparison to go out on. <laughs> uh, but real quick, I'll say there are seven games upcoming for the one and three uh, Brooklyn Nets. Ooh, they play Houston, Houston on Friday, hmm. then at Detroit, new home front to the Pelicans, and then they have a five-game road trip, Portland, Phoenix, Utah, Denver, uh, and Chicago at the end of that. But uh, it's, a, it's a tough tough start for, for, for Kyrie's Brooklyn Nets, that's for sure. Um, yeah. Uh, two final thoughts for me. Number one, um, the Celtics are missed out on a top three pick by one year here based on how the Sacramento Kings looked and Dave, <laughs> Dave Yeager screwed the Celtics. Um, and number two, you guys see what Aaron Baines is doing in Phoenix? Breaking <laughs> Steph Curry's wrist in half. I mean, well, I, no, he's, I he's, that balling. he's balling. And like, it's great. I mean, it's great from the Celtics perspective too, from like, cause he wouldn't be doing that here, but now he's in that system. Like, he is, you know, going to be helping a really fun team. I think that, I mean, Phoenix could be knocking on the door of the playoffs, I think, now. I don't think this strong start is a fluke. I think we should all settle down, is what I personally... I actually haven't watched the Phoenix Suns play. <laughs> Have you not? Really I watched that Clippers game. I think they're hanging around, Mike. They're winning 35-plus games. Yeah. Th- I mean, th- I, 35 isn't going to get it done, but... Uh, but, yeah, I mean... Their numbers are great, and it's been a week, so I guess we'll see what happens. Like, I don't know. I don't know what's real. I don't know what's fake. The Timberwolves are a juggernaut, and then they're not. The Dallas Mavericks are the best offense of all time. Like, I, I just don't know what's going on. Mike Conley has not scored yet. I, it's, it's well, he was 30 he, last he, night. Yeah, he, he, he woke up last night. He was oh, bad. he did? I did, I did not yeah. catch that game. Okay. Yeah, he was scoring. He was scoring all over the place. And, and Baines, Baines, 8 of, eight of 19 from 3 this year Oof. in Phoenix. And he, and he had the chances here in Boston. He was solid there, but he just couldn't stay on the court. The guy got got injured every other game. Yeah. What, no, I'm not. I'm not <laughs> criticizing his toughness clearly, <laughs> but you know, like Danny Ainge says, availability is your best ability. Yeah. And he I mean, he's gonna get available. he's gonna get hurt again. One would think too, but it's a fun right. story. It's a fun story for now. Yeah. Um. All right. That's that's it. That's a a pretty fun, busy first week around the NBA. Um. Quiet upcoming stretch for the Celtics, but we'll be back with you guys uh, next week as they hit the road uh, for Kemba's return to Charlotte <laughs> and uh, other barn burning matchups like the Cleveland. Um, again, please subscribe, rate, review the Winning Plays podcast as the season gets going. Um, definitely hit us up on Twitter at Winning Plays Pod if any feedback. Um, 
you have any questions, any show topic ideas you want to see us cover, we always love the feedback. And that will be it for now. And we'll be back next week.